And I think when we start to catch ourselves in a cycle of negative thoughts around a simple mistake, you know, saying in our mind, okay, I said, I would think about this for five minutes and then let it go. And then really letting it go and trying to always be redirecting away from those negative thoughts. Working women, how many things are you expected to do on a daily basis between walking those 10,000 steps, hydrating, making plant-based meals for our family, Pinterest-worthy lunches for our kids, spectacular date nights for our husband, and let's not forget, climbing that corporate ladder, we're asked to do these things each and every day. So much so that often it feels like we are trying to balance on the high wire of life. So welcome to the High Wire Woman podcast, hosted by me, Rosanna Brary. I'm an immigration lawyer, a mother to a teenage son, a wife, and an entrepreneur who truly believes that working women can have it all. Join me as I interview other high-achieving women, and together, let's learn about the skills and the fortitude that we need to create the happy, prosperous, and balanced life we so richly deserve. Hi, Wire Woman. Listen up. Are you stuck in your life? Do you do the same thing over and over every day because it's just what you do? It's just what I've always done. That's the way we do it. If this is you and this is where you are, listen to the podcast today. I know as busy working women, we tend to go on autopilot a lot of the times in our lives. But today we have a special guest, Leah Garvin. Leah is the author of a new book that's coming out called Unstuck. Reframe your thinking to free yourself from the patterns and people that hold you back. Let me say that again. Reframe your thinking to free yourself from the patterns and people that hold you back. Wow, that resonates with me. So Leah, thank you and welcome to the High Wire Woman podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Just as a little bit of background, High Wire Women, Leah has been working over 10 years of experience, some of the largest and most influential companies in tech, including the big ones, Microsoft, Apple, Google, and she's a TEDx speaker. She presented a talk at the TEDx conference in Boca Raton, and she was just featured at the SXSW conference in Austin in 2022. She's on a mission to humanize the workplace. Wow, that is incredible. (laughs) She has a Bachelor of Arts from UCLA in sociology, Master of Arts in Media Studies, all kinds of certifications. Leah, tell us about what is going on right now with women. And I have a toddler. I'm a toddler mom. Ah, toddler mom. <laughs> God bless your heart. So woo, what is going on with women? I would say over the course of the last two years, it has become increasingly obvious to the world, things that women already knew, but, but to the broader world of how much pressure women are under in the workplace and how many dueling expectations there are, especially if you are a parent or caretaker around having to show up and be your best at work and often solve all the problems and take care of people there and then come home and do all of it again. And I think what became clear in the pandemic, especially when there was a strong over-representation of a burden around the caretaking and homeschooling and everything, all the fallout of the pandemic on women having to carry this burden, it was just too much and something had to give. And more and more over the last few years, I've been hearing women talk about the boundaries they need with whatever the next phase that work will be, with flexibility being non-negotiable, with having to have really, really clear times for themselves and times for their family and times for work and not trying to do all of it at once. 
and really wanting to hold workplaces accountable to creating that. And I think it's been an important time for companies and work environments to have to have a reckoning with the expectations they've put on women to sort of do all of this in silence and and to not have to change anything. This great resignation really shouldn't be a total surprise. Yeah. Because if the pandemic taught us anything, it was that, holy crap, we have a million things to do. But it actually also gave us a little bit of time to think about what we're doing, how many things we have to do. I mean, exacerbate it with having kids remote school for over a year working remotely, taking care of all the household stuff. At least for me personally, it was a time to look and be introspective and say, like, why am I doing this? I don't have to do this right now. And like you said, the most precious commodities are time and flexibility. So the great resignation, I just think we're seeing that over and over again, where employees are saying, "Mm, no, you know, I don't want to win the busy badge for the the person that's there the most. I don't want to miss my kid's soccer game or theatrical production or what have you. And the result of that is it's an employee's market. I mean, boy, is it ever, right? You can name your price, you can name your conditions. And I think that's really empowering. So when you're working with your clients and you're talking to women, like, what are you hearing from them? Where are they stuck? And what do they need to be propelled towards in order to improve their lives? I think especially for women that are looking for a change, I think a place that we can get stuck is knowing exactly how to position ourselves and where to focus. And I think a lot of times we we feel like, well, I've been successful in this one area and I've, I've invested a lot of time. So it can feel like there's a sunk cost in pursuing another route. But if that thing made us really unhappy or it allowed us to leverage skills in one area, but not the skills that we we're passionate about or not the strengths that we really know that we could be sharing, we can feel torn between actually taking that leap or going in another direction. And so I think that's where we can get stuck is sort of feeling like we're kind of have to stay in this one space that we've been in. But the way I work with people is looking at what are their passions and what are their strengths and what are the things that make them excited to go to work? What are the things that have been celebrated by managers or peers? And just mapping all that out and then looking at the intersection points between things and looking at all of the transferable skills that could be brought to a whole different kind of role. Let's say you worked as an artist for for a long time, and now you want to become a writer. Okay, you might feel like, you know, I was a visual artist. That's very different than the written. Well, creativity is a transferable skill. Being able to communicate your ideas is a transferable skill. Having a lot of potentially, I think you might say, I have good ability to like manage my time and get something done. There's all of these things that are actually beneath the service. But when we get stuck in, oh, I did this, so it's all I can do we can tell ourselves the story that we don't have anything transferable. So first it's about reframing that story by doing some of that digging into the dot connecting. Yeah, it's really interesting. I see it in my industry. So I'm an immigration lawyer by day and lawyers in general are not a happy bunch. You talk to (laughs) most lawyers are like, oh my God, I hate this. All I do is work. And I always challenge my lawyer friends who are miserable and say, you have a law degree. Are you kidding me? You can do a million things with that. The reason I got a law degree is because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'm like, well, I want a job that I can, you know, I want a degree I can use in a variety of ways. And lawyers can do lots of things with research and analysis and writing and speaking. So I encourage my lawyer friends, look outside of the box. You don't have to be in this hamster wheel of a law firm working 80 hours a week where everybody's judging every single move that you make. I mean, there's so much you can do. And I think people get caught in those traps of, 
well, I work in a big law firm and I, I did the same thing. I worked in a large law firm for six years and made good money and I was at the top. So when I hated it, I was like, oh, well, now what do I do? And, yeah. you know, that firm was not very complimentary when I left. They were like, nobody leaves here. Well, <laughs> guess what I did? And yeah. 17 years later, I have a thriving practice. But I think we tell ourselves these false narratives that we have yeah. to stay someplace. So what propelled you to write Unstuck? Unstuck is a sort of culmination, a summary of different challenges that I worked through that I saw other women work through as I was coaching and just building community with people across the teams I was in. There seemed to be a series of patterns that kept emerging. As I was coaching more and more women, I was finding, hey, there's some things that I've been talking to people about that have really been helping them break free of these that I want to spread the word about. I want to, I want to make sure that everybody is not feeling so stuck around these things. You know, from feedback is, is really where I start the book because it's one of the ones I think is the hardest. <laughs> you know, if you're working in a team or working in a corporate environment, especially like we're not going to give in feedback. I think no. receiving it is hard, but I think people, it's because most people are so bad at giving it. And we then look at feedback like a criticism or that it's something wrong with us. And if we're not able to hear feedback and action, important signals someone is sharing with us, we can't tackle any of the other challenges that I talk about in the book because it's all about being a lot more self-aware and tuning into when we're falling into some of these traps and patterns. So I wanted to write the book to share not only tools that I found along the way, but also share the times I got it wrong, the struggles that I had, the frustrating moments, because I think a lot of times when we read about development, leadership, things like that for women, it's sort of position from someone that's been through it. They're sitting back in their corner office, like, here's the way that it will become easier if you just do these things. And I don't know, when I've tried things in those kind of books, it didn't work that way for me. I asked for the raise. I asked for the promotion. I you know, got the feedback and I was either told, no, it's not your time. You're not ready yet. All these things. And it didn't matter how high of a performer I was or how great of a relationship I had with my manager. I still was stuck. And so this book talked about the hard things, the things that don't always go well, and then how to use the power of reframing or looking at a challenge through a new perspective to open up new ways of tackling them. And so it's about looking at how we can shift our approach instead of believing like we have to change ourselves. I love that. Can you talk about the other F word, failure? And so many of us walk around with this negative loop in our heads, like, oh my God, I forgot to attach the email. I forgot about my kid's dental appointment. I suck. Oh my God. You know, it's, I do it. We all do it. We're super critical of ourselves. But as I've aged, I keep telling my employees, I'm better telling other people about this <laughs> than myself. There's magic in failure. That's where you learn. That's where the magic all happens. Tell us about women and failure. Why are we so obsessed with this perfectionist standard? Often for many of us, from our upbringing, we've been fed messages around having to be nice and helpful and perfect in many ways. And we start to attach to these and they become sort of a part of our identity. A lot of times women are become, in the book, Playing Big by Tara Moore, fantastic book about reaching bigger aspirations we have for ourselves. It talks about an attachment we often have with praise. We need to be fed by praise in order to feel like we've actually feel validated or we've done something right. And I think all of these things can feed into 
this perfectionism that then traps us into any sort of setback being a failure. And my first way to reframe failure is to first differentiate between a, a failure, which is something bigger we want to learn from, than just a simple mistake. You mentioned the attachment. If you forgot to add the attachment or you forgot to CC someone, just send another email. And right. don't who think cares? about it. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. And then make sure you stop thinking about it, right? Instead of just ruminating on it for the next two weeks, but let it go. And I think when we start to catch ourselves in a cycle of negative thoughts around a simple mistake, you know, saying in our mind, okay, I said I would think about this for five minutes and then let it go. And then really letting it go and trying to always be redirecting away from those negative thoughts. And that's the first tip. Now, with bigger things where there is really more to learn, I think, again, remembering most times in most situations, if we own up to what happened and try to change and course correct it right away, the failure is not catastrophic. Now, of course, I know that's not with everything, but in most situations, if we call out, say, hey, I presented this thing in front of a senior leadership and mentioned the wrong stats. I have since followed up with the team. I've shared the correct stats. And next time I have created a checklist so that I make sure to run through so that I can prevent this from happening in the future. I think when we own up, correct it, and then share how we fixed our process for the next time, we show that we have the ability to self-reflect. We have humility. We have the self-awareness instead of defensiveness. We're open to feedback. Mm-hmm. And I think that can really demonstrate to someone that, yeah, we don't need to be reamed for what happened, that we are completely aware of it. And it can make us feel better because then oftentimes the response of whoever we're sharing that with is thank you. Instead of, oh God, you're a loser. It's right. thank you for acknowledging that. It's okay. But we need to own up to it instead of avoiding it or hiding it or just beating ourselves up over it. Yeah. And it's interesting. I've taken a different approach with my team here at the law firm in the last couple of years, and it's transformed the practice. I mean, we talk every quarter about our failures. I don't want to hear about your successes. I just don't. I'm not interested, you know, but I want to hear about your failures. And I talk about my failures as a leader, things I've screwed up on. And we have a frank conversation about that. And it has transformed our workplace because people aren't tiptoeing around worried that they're going to get fired if they make a mistake. Yes. So they're not on the defense all the time. Okay. Now, if you make the same mistake five times in a row, then that's a different conversation. Right, right. right. But if you make that mistake and you own it and you reflect and you never do that again because you learn what you did wrong. I mean, what other tool in life can teach you that? Exactly. But I think One thing you called out, which is so, so critical for the managers and business owners and entrepreneurs and bosses, everybody out there, is you're modeling that vulnerability. You have set the stage to make it safe. And that's what's so critical is when you've built the psychological safety for people to share mistakes by having a regular conversation and truly saying, hey, you know, I'm here to, this is about learning. I'll share what I did wrong. You made it available. And I think that's what we all need to do collectively is make it okay for people to, to share their mistakes, to not judge each other or and to say, hey, let me help you out with this thing. Oh, I made that mistake before. Here, here's something I've tried and it's really helped me. So I think we all can do more to, to make it more comfortable, especially for folks, for women and people that are more upper, underrepresented in companies, right? It can be really scary. You feel like there's hypervigilance around the mistakes you make or people are more closely paying attention, you know, if you are about to make a mistake. So we can really combat that and that bias and that feeling of exclusion by volunteering, you know, what we're working on and supporting each other. And I think it also transcends into parenting. I think it's super important for 
your children to see you fail and to see how you handle it and what you've learned from it. I have a a 15-year-old and he sees the icing on the cake. He sees the firm established and this and that. And the other day he was complaining and it's hard and I don't want to do this anymore. And I said, Salvatore, let me just tell you, I took the bar exam three times, three times over the course of seven years. Do you know how long that is? (laughs) Want to talk about a struggle? When I was in labor with him, I said to my husband, at least I'm not taking the bar exam. (laughs) That's how much I hated it, but I did it. And he was like, oh, oh, seven years. I'm like, seven years. Don't look now. It's the grown up version of your mom, right? That was a hot mess. I mean, we all are. I think that's really impactful to children because they need to see that side as well. They need to know that it's okay to fail and it's okay to make a mistake and the world will not end if you do. Exactly. And I think too, as we share that, we realize, oh God, this thing wasn't that horrible. When we talk about failure, I think too, failure can be so hard because it can feel very private. And I think we start to feel shame around it, but shame can only exist, you know, internally. Once we say it outside of our minds, we say it out loud, it doesn't have that power over us. And so when we talk about it, not only do we help someone else grow, but we reduce that inner struggle that we've been having over it and we take away the power it had. So yeah, talking about the failure, we, we all learn, we all get better for it. For sure. So unstuck, reframe your thinking to free yourself from the patterns and the people that hold you back is coming out soon. It'll be available, I'm assuming on Amazon, all the other great places to find books. Yeah, so it comes out April 5th, available Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, independent booksellers, wherever you want to grab it. And yeah, reach out to me on leahgarvin.com to learn more about the book, the coaching, the workshops I run. Follow me on Instagram at leah.garvin or check out my YouTube videos on YouTube at my channel, Reframe with Leah. Highwire Woman, you need to pick up this book. It's really good. I don't have an advanced copy, but I was looking at some of the things online and, and it's amazing. It's shifting your thought reframing. It's like anything in life. Humans are not set up to make these giant leaps. It's very hard to change. It's a lot easier to pivot and it's a lot easier to reframe. And that's what Leah talks about on her YouTube channel, Instagram. This book is just reframing things and it's super powerful and important. And Leah, before I let you go, what's one thing, if you had to, if you had 3000 women in front of you and only 30 seconds to say, ladies, do this one thing, what would it be? Yes, it is to change the questions you're asking yourself when you feel stuck. Oftentimes when we feel stuck, we ask questions that start with why. Why did this happen? Why did they do this to me? Why is this going on? And the why questions get us stuck in this analysis and sort of rumination phase. But if we change those from why to what, what am I missing? What else might be here? What am I overlooking? Maybe even what's going on with the other person? We start to see that there is more possible than we already knew. And the what questions are the key to reframing because those let us think outside of ourselves. So shift your questions from why to what. That's a real cue. The why questions are a cue that you're stuck. Mm -hmm. And the what questions are a cue that you're now reframing. I love it. Simple, easy. Go from why to what. We can all do that. Try it. Let (laughs) me know how it goes. So Highwire Woman, please read this book. Please, please, please. Remember, life is short. We're not here for an unlimited amount of time. Why be miserable? Whether it's in your personal life, your professional life, get unstuck. Let Leah help you. And until the next time, stay on that high wire. 
Thank you for listening to the High Wire Woman podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or others, I hope you'll share it with a friend so together we can all stand that high wire of life. Make sure to subscribe or follow us on your favorite listening platform so you never miss an episode and follow us on social media at High Wire Woman for more information. Until next time, I'm Rosanna Berardi. Be sure to stay on that high wire of life.